You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Health Hub. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show tomorrow, or tomorrow, this morning. Oh my goodness, I'm already thinking about what's going on the rest of the day. I thought, I'm so excited. I'm back from my holidays. I'm ready to go, energized, had a great week away, and uh, really looking forward to our show today because I love our guest, Allison Schaefer. She is so unique, so fun, and she makes my end of this show so easy. So really, really looking forward to her to her being on the show with us today. Alex isn't available for us to get into the conversation. He's doing some of his beside, behind the scenes stuff. So you've just got me until we introduce Allison to you. But we're doing a show today about um, something that's coming up very soon, the summer holidays. And for those of you with kids, it can be a joyous yet challenging time of year. I remember when uh, there was talk of the of eliminating the summer holidays. I know some schools have a much shorter summer holiday here in Canada, in Toronto and Ontario. And uh, I was kind of sad, but on the other hand, it uh, you know there was a thought that the pressure might be off if I didn't have to figure out what to do with my kids for two months. But we're going to talk all about that. Uh, feel free to call in. Our show is live today. I hope you enjoyed our show last week on lighting. I found it fascinating. That podcast I will have up for you shortly, as well as one from the week before. A little bit behind on our scheduling because of my week away, but we'll get everything up and ready for you. If you would like to call in and talk with Allison, our number is 416-245-1534. You can reach us on all of our social media sites at the Health Hub RMC. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you'd like to email us and you have suggestions for the show, we've had a couple of really interesting suggestions come in over the last couple of weeks that I'm trying to trying to research and get guests for. But you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Last time I was here, I had a cough. Hopefully it's gone. I have my water bottle here, so if I have to cut out, I'll wave to Alex and he'll he'll do his magic for me. But since we're doing a show today about kids, and since I am a lover of all things that is gut health, I thought that I would start the show with weaving together the two topics by discussing a few ways to encourage good gut health in children. And I'm going to start with diet, of course. You know, when I talk to clients myself, you know, the vast majority of my clients are, are adults, and I stress with them the importance of getting 30 to 40 grams of fiber today or in their diet each day. For regularity, that's the one that we all know about, but fiber is essential for feeding your gut microbiome. And if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know how vastly important good gut health is to all aspects of your better health. So kids need fiber. So they need fruits, they need vegetables, 
They need whole grains. But kids also need to be introduced to probiotic foods. And this is, you know, this can be a little bit of a challenge because that flavor can be a bit uh, different. But things like adding apple cider vinegar to your salad dressings um, and yogurts, they have, you know, check for live cultures on them, live culture bacteria on the the um, the label. And also with yogurt, I, I, I always, you know, read your label because there can be a lot of added sugar. But fiber is really, really important for children, just as it is for us to get good, good gut health. The other thing is exposure to a little dirt is not such a bad thing. Let them play in the garden. Let them run barefoot. Soil is full of microbes, very healthy microbes. And and following along this line of thinking, don't over sanitize your kids. You know, the, the handy dandy antibiotic gels and soaps, they take away the bad bacteria, but they also disengage us from our good bacteria. So definitely there are times when warranted, but you know, let them play, let them, you know, have fun in the dirt. And especially if you're, you know, you're gardening and you're doing a more uh, holistic, uh, natural gardening, there's nothing wrong with picking some vegetables from the garden, pulling out a carrot and eating it after you wipe it off. Really, really good for the gut. Really good. And the third thing, which kids tend to love to do, is to hug a pet, hug a dog, hug your cat. Studies have shown that kids exposed to dogs from an early age are less likely to develop asthma. Uh, there was a study done where fecal samples were collected and from the age from children the ages of four months, and they were enrolled in a study called the Canadian Healthy Infant Longitudinal Development Cohort Study. 24 babies, 15 lived in houses with at least one dog or cat, and the researchers discovered that infants living with pets had a higher diversity of microbes in their gut, and this was measured through their feces. Higher diversity than infants without pets. So lots of studies coming out. Our, our, our furry friends are very, very good for our gut health. So just a few tips and tricks. You know, we have to sort of change our way of, of thinking a little bit and you know, let the kids play. It's the summertime coming up. Let them get outside. Bare feet on the soil is great. Bare feet on the grass for grounding. So many health benefits about being outside and being in the sun. And just as, a, as an aside, I read a study about how much time kids spend indoors. So do take advantage of this summer weather and get them outside for their better health. So as mentioned, our guest today is Allison Schaefer. And Allison is a therapist a TV personality, author, columnist, spokesperson, educator, and consultant. She is one of Canada's most notable parenting experts and serves as a resident expert on national outlets such as The Maryland Dennis Show, Huffington Post, Parents Canada, and the CBC Radio. She is an internationally acclaimed parent expert. Allison empowers families by sharing her principles, rules, and tools for raising happy and healthy kids. Allison is the best-selling author of Breaking the Good Mom Myth and Honey, I Wrecked the Kids, which I loved, and her latest, Ain't Misbehaving, which has been translated into Russian, Korean, Bulgarian, and Chinese. She is an international speaker, including the inaugural TEDx Kids in Brussels. Today, we're going to talk to Allison about the benefits of allowing your kids to be aboard sometimes during the summer, and when we should introduce structure to their summer holidays, and tips for taking long car trips with the family. So when we get back from our break, we will talk with Allison Schaefer. 
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we are live. If you'd like to call in, our number is 416-245-1534. If you have any questions for us, you can tag us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and we will try and get to them. Allison, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. I, I was talking to Alex in the break. I said, it's so, I'm so happy that you're my first guest after my vacation because it's just such an easy time talking to you. I'm so looking forward to things. Oh, wonderful. It, yeah, and coming off of a family holiday, there were 14 of us. This is just a, a great time to be discussing the family dynamic and summer <laughs> holidays. <laughs> All top of mind and now planning ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> disaster in the future. True. And, you know, um, when I my kids, you know, you know, my kids are older, but when I had four of them and summer holidays were coming, my fridge had the calendar and it was a tic-tac-toe of four different colors and where everyone was going. It can be a challenging time for parents. Yes, it's it certainly can. And I love that you've got a visual to help keep not only you organized, but I think kids 
often have no idea of family schedules and they don't realize, well, hold on, you mean my brother's going to camp? I'm not going to see him for two weeks? Or wait a minute, dad's off on a business trip? Well, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we forget that all this information's in our head and sometimes we forget to share it with our, our kids ourselves. Well, and it's, it's fun too because the kids realize that uh, mummies don't sit home and eat bonbons during the day, that there is stuff that goes on where they're doing their school trips and their school activities. Absolutely. And they're one of a, of a moving um, a, a system of a family. And it's not just all about them. All the parts have to you know, fit together. Yeah. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough. There were some summer holidays that I didn't have to work and I did work with my dad. So I was quite flexible, but really challenging to have, you know, two solid months of parents working and trying to figure out what to do with their young kids. Right. And there are, of course, you know, some great um, camp programs that are a little bit more freewheeling than what you would experience in an after-school program for, uh, you know, that type of thing, and expose kids to wonderful uh, experiences they might not have otherwise had, you know, robotics camps and make-your-own-movie camps and um, improv theater camps. It's really, you can really kind of investigate different areas of life and see what might be interesting. So, but it also means you got to research them, you got to find them, you got to pay for them, you got to drop the kids off at different places of the city. Um, you know, some kids are slow to warm and they don't have a chance to get to know kids. It's all a new cohort of people. So as fun as it can be, it can add stresses for sure. To both parties, I guess the parents and the kids. I was never a camp person. I didn't like it. I was I was not the um, the life of the party. So when I and, went to camp, know, I found it stressful. Yeah. It, and it, it can be a stressor for kids. As much as I, I do really love the idea of camp, it's, if, if it's not a match, it's never about what's the, the perfect solution to the summer. It's always about what's a match from your kid's temperament to the offerings that you put. And I know for my family, for example, we went to family camp. The Y still has family camps. You know, you can all go off together and sing those silly Johnny Appleseed songs and, and go canoeing together. <laughs> we love you, Bugsy was our bus theme song. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I do. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a nice option for parents who kind of want to get a little bit more of that nature connection, but maybe they have kids that are a bit young or a little bit anxious about being away from home. It's kind of like a nice little middle ground. Yeah. And then you've got the overnight camps and some people thrive. Uh, some of my friends, I remember, you know, June, say June 29th was the last day of school. That next day, their kids were off for two months to camp. And those kids look forward to it every year. And some some just thrive well, on that. Yep, agreed. And in, as a counselor, and people tell me about their childhood and their early childhood experiences, a lot of the, some of the most important emotional memories come from, from summer camp, you know, mm-hmm. uh, feeling confident, building their courage, you know, on a camping trip and, and hearing what they thought was a raccoon or a bear and finding their courage. And uh, yeah, it was really powerful times. And we're talking about, you know, as again, I'm visualizing my calendar with all the lines. Um, as parents, you're trying to, you know, get your kids, keep your kids busy in the summer for your benefit, for their benefit. There's this idea that if, if there's too much idle time, you know, uh, what's that saying? Idle hands is the devil's playground or something like that. But <laughs> yes. there is benefit of having some downtime or some boredom, isn't there? I'm thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. You know, if we look at children's mental health, what we've got happening is um, a, a whole generation of kids that are just incredibly anxious, that we live in very stressful times. And we really do need to slow down the pace of life for our children. And I think that parents don't appreciate how stressful 
school and academics and being in programs that are structured um, really adds a lot of stress to our kids. And so to be able to decompress, to actually have carefree time, you know, the research shows even just the spontaneous play is a very different style of play than organized play that has rules like a baseball team where most of your time is you're, you're waiting, you're applying already arranged rules versus just sitting in your backyard and, and saying, hey, let's make up a game with these two sticks and this ball and why don't we call this home free and you have to tap this eight times and kids just collaboratively, creatively come up with some game structure all on their own. And that's it's a beautiful source of creativity. So if your kids come to you and moan and say, I'm bored, I don't think the solution is to throw them in another basketball league. I think it's to say, great, this is the moment before the creative spark is about to ignite and you're going to figure out how to bust this boredom. And that's how we exercise the creativity muscle. We have to leave kids alone enough to get bored. Does that mean turning off the TV or does that mean, you know, if that's what they feel like sitting and doing all day, let them do it. No, that's where I think to your point that we do, there's a certain amount of structure that's very helpful. Um, And again, I would say limiting screen time. So yeah, it's the summer and maybe we go to bed a little bit later and maybe we can sleep in a little bit more and uh, maybe we can enjoy a few more popsicles and things like that than we do during the regular year. But there's real um, uh, research in that says that the way that the dopamine receptors respond to screens, they will just grab your attention and they will suck you in for the entire day. So we can't just say, turn it off when you feel you've had enough. We really do need to say, what would a balanced day look like? And how do, how do screens fit into the overall uh, you know, balance of, of a healthy day? So what's in real life play with the real people around you versus socializing online or posting online or, or playing a, a social game online with your friends? Yeah, we, we always, you know, we f- look at summer holidays and think, you know, what are we going to do with the kids? But there's also the stress on the parents. And, and I think that that's sometimes... And I'm going to I'm going to tend towards the mom. I don't I can't speak for every household, but, you know, it was my job to figure out what to do with the kids. I guess I had a little bit more time. I might I said my, my schedule was a little bit flexible, but forced time with your I shouldn't say forced time. But that, you know, two months of solid time with your kids is it's a, it can be a shock. You know, it's, it's a yeah. difference of scheduling for the parents and it can be a little stressful and overwhelming for mom and dad. And I, just, you know, so that parents uh, can just appreciate it's, it's not our job to constantly entertain our children that we're not, but this idea that we should be down on the floor playing Barbies and Lego all day long beside our kids is, is really not true. And the fact that we don't enjoy it or we get fed up or we get distracted, you know, we're, we're 35, 40 years old. We're, we're not supposed to be amused by Barbies. There, <laughs> I mean, there is a developmental piece there where we say that was really great when I was seven, but I'm not seven. So yeah, I'll play with you for a while, but you know, it's, it's not engaging for me. And so it's, it's fair to say every day I will make time to, to engage with you and play with you and look forward to that. And I think we can take the load off the parents of always having to be the one that comes up with what to do. You know, you can sit down as a family and have a family meeting and and list, cite all the fun things that you would like to do for the summer um, and have the kids be a stakeholder in creating some of those ideas. 
And you, know, you can plan out your day where maybe you don't say exactly what you're doing every hour, but you might just say, hey, you know what, I promise that every morning we'll have an hour of playtime together and maybe we'll rotate through the family who's going to pick the activity of the day. So, you know, today Jessica wants to play Scrabble and tomorrow if you want to play make-believe, we'll do your turn. And, and you know, get the kids' input and make yourself available for that time. But you can also say, yeah, and you know what, in the afternoon, I want an hour all to myself where I just read a novel or vegetate or work in my garden or whatever it is it's that's just for me i I love what you don't do that no and i love what you said about you know trying to focus just on conversations of little girls you know when they want you involved and they're going a mile a minute it's exhausting (laughs) it's okay to say um you know thank you that that's enough i need some some mommy time now you know my daughter i would say listen every what you have to say is really important but right now I'm busy doing X, Y, and Z, and I just can't give it the full attention that it needs. So I'm just going to ask you to stop right now, and I'll come back and listen to that story over lunch. <laughs> so it's okay not to enjoy children's activities all the time. That's what you're Every, saying? Yeah, and, and to be able to be honest about that. And there were certain activities that I found that I could do for a really long time that I really enjoyed. And I had other things that I would just sort of grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, and then I like to, to, to my point and also to say, and I'm allowed to be a member of this family who also is allowed to speak up for what I want. And sometimes what I want is not playing with you. And that does not make me a bad parent. I don't want to play today. <laughs> That's the value of friends. Playdates are great things, eh? They sure are. They they really are. And uh, and kids do enjoy, you know, the amusement of having other people around. Um, and so, yes, I'm not saying ignore your kids for the summer. Uh, and, and I found that when I was a full-time mom, I was more apt to forget to play with my kids than when I had a nanny, because then I would kind of come home and say, oh, gosh, I haven't seen you all day. Let's play. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes that scheduling in that one hour of together time, even though it's the summer, they really feel brushed off occasionally. So to to be present and fully engaged is better than being half in, half out, distracted, not really acting like you're caring when you don't. Fair enough. Now, the one stressor that I, you know, I, I still, it's very fresh in my mind, is having all the kids home at the same time. And that dynamic, you know, they're, they're not used to being together in and amongst themselves, the brothers and sisters. Right. And that can be challenging, too, can it not? Yes, because all the family dynamics are going to play out, you know, that even, even kids who really love one another still will create kerfuffle. Um, and, and, and the reason why they do this, I just taught a whole weekend workshop on, on sibling rivalry. Um, sibling rival, rivalry, competition, jealousy, a lot of this happens because the parent is around. And if they were at grandma's house, they'd probably all get along. But in the presence of mom or dad, whose love and attention they're vying for, um, they will more likely step into their kind of roles of aggressor, victim, clown, whatever it might be. And they will create problems in order to engage their parents' attention. This is one of the number one reasons why kids don't get along. They try, they're trying to pull in a parent so that the parent has to deal with them rather than ignore them. And usually when the parent steps in, one person gets uh, not so much punished, but held in a bad light, like tattling. Like, he took my water gun. She won't give me a turn. And it's, it's really a lazy way of the child trying to say, I'm good and he's bad, and show me some favoritism by siding with my point in the argument. 
So, you know, I tell parents the most important thing to do is to give your kids lots of attention when they're playing nicely. And the minute they start to fight, say, I'm not interested in watching fighting and walk away and ignore that uh, when they bicker. And when they're cooperative and happy, show up and say, great, I'm happy to play as long as people are getting along. And if you do have to step in, whatever you do for one, you do for all. So if they can't share the water gun, they both lose the water gun. Um, you know, if they can't take turns, then the game is over until they have a solution for taking turns. You know, if they're, they're fighting, they both go to their rooms, or all four of them go to their rooms until they can play together without uh, clobbering each other. So, you know, if you can apply those rules, those three big rules, you, uh, you'll start to see a shift. Sibling rivalry doesn't end, you know, at the end of elementary school, though, does it? No, and, you know, and there's part that can be moderated by parenting, by our parenting techniques. But, you know, a child is a creative meaning maker. If, if they've decided in their own mind that they feel their sibling is a threat to them, a lot of that is just their own creative making of how big that stress is. And that's not really something that is because of parenting. That's their own decision. So, you know, obviously we don't, we don't compare kids. We don't show overtly our favoritism. But if they've got it in their mind that, you know, their kid is, their brother is some golden child that's easygoing, high marks, good looking, athletic, and they're the little dweeb with pimples that can't get more than a C, you know, they can really feel threatened by that sibling and, uh, and never want to give them an easy goal of life because they just feel like they just pale in comparison to, their, to them. Oh, yeah, it's 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 fun to watch the dynamic. It can be stressful. I, you know, I found summer holidays, not just the um, just the tic-tac-toe of where everyone's going, but dealing with all that, it, it, it's exhausting. It's an exhausting time and when you're at home. But there are a lot of parents that aren't at home. And at that point in time, are you do you suggest that the kids be out of the house or bring someone in to watch them? Allison, are you there with us? No, I think, yeah, I think we've lost Allison. So we're going to take a quick break and come back in a few minutes, everybody. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing. I've stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. 
Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, fingers crossed. Allison, can we hear you? I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> well, each time we've talked now, I think of another show that we should have, and sibling rivalry could take... Many, many hours to probably get dig deep in. So you're right. And along that path then. So, uh, you know, and we've done this. Summertime can be grand times for long drives and family vacations. And throwing kids into a car can be joyous or it can be, you know, it can be a very trying experience for everybody. (laughs) So let's let's hear your words of wisdom on on those great camping trips or going across Canada or wherever you go on the summer on the summer holidays. So I think we start before we even get in the car. And I'm a big fan of these things called family meetings. When we sit down proactively in advance and we say to the kids, hey, we're going on this summer car trip. 
and ask them to have some input into as many things that would be an age-appropriate way for them to have input in. And so include mapping out the trip and doing some research. And they can team up with a parent, doing some research on what are things that we'd like to do to stop along the way. Because even if it's just a long 10-hour drive to an aunt or uncle's cottage or whatever, I would think you would be better invested to make it even longer, get a hotel, break up the trip, do little stops every couple of hours, and, and go to places where there's something to see. Maybe there's a little animal petting zoo along the side of the highway here. Or maybe there's um, a brook that has a picnic um, area over here or some famous hot dog stand. And find your places where you're going to be able to break up the trip and the kids have actually have a sense of anticipation and it was a place that they wanted to go see. And I think when the kids are invested in crafting out the holiday, they're much more likely to want things to go well. They're more, more likely to be enthused. And then we can talk about how we're going to pass the time in between these stops. So what are we going to do while we're in the car? And each kid can have their own like little activity bag where they bring things that are car appropriate, not too sloppy, not too whatever. Um, and so we can think about what's a packing list for your little activity bag that you would like to bring in the car. And perhaps even some of the family budget can go towards um, purchasing some new, you know, newfangled something that they haven't seen before. So, so there's um, sort of a new enthusiasm for some items in the car. I mean, when I was a kid, it was, you know, it was uh, Archie comic books. You know, my dad would keep them under the driver's seat. And he would toss them back whenever we'd start to get restless. Travel bingo. Oh, another comic book, another comic book. <laughs> Travel bingo. That was our big one. Yes, travel bingo. There's all kinds of great car And now they've gotten smart. They've got these things now with the um, magnets and whatnot. But I, I think, again, we don't want to just default to the iPad or the onboard movies. I, I find that, like, I guess, not to say that they're not, they don't have their place. But a lot of times what we're doing is we're just, we're, we're just putting on movie after movie after movie for these kids. And I don't think that's a good solution. Uh, I don't think you're making as good a family memories as... To your point, playing um, bingo or license plate alphabet or um, put, even just putting on an audio book or a podcast and listening to Harry Potter together in an audio format rather than the, the visual. So, so, so shake it up a bit in terms of those things. Uh, and, of course, just some good car snacks that are e- easily accessible and, and kind of tries to keep kids' glucose levels, not spiking, but kind of stable in, in, between, your, uh, in between your stops. Yeah, you know, and I, I sort of, we had our very first one with all four kids was was a treasure of a treat. We had my daughter, she always liked to ride in the back with my younger son, so she was the baby, so we put her in her car seat in the back, and I allowed the kids to pick a treat for the, the car ride. There was six of us in a van, and we were heading down to Florida, so their big thing was they were allowed to pick their junk food. So yeah. I think we got two hours into the trip and the little one threw up all over the one beside her and pulling <laughs> off to the side of the road. It was, uh, you know, I thought, oh, what a mistake. What a mistake. But now we laugh. You know, we yeah. laugh at that. And, and it was it was not fun at the time. But, you know, those memories, they they find their place and, and they become part of the family history. No, and to this day, when I have a donut, I feel car sick. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we had this other family trip, and we went up to Grand, Grand Bend. I know, they had these little rapids. And um, 
we did the first, my, my little one was too young to do the rapid trip, I thought. So the older ones did it with my husband. And then he said, you know what, it's, it's really quite gentle. Well, something happened between the morning and the afternoon. And when we got on that, that inner tube down, the current had picked up and kids oh. of mine were flying this way and that way. And, you know, <laughs> I remember when my daughter, she made it to the side of the, of the, um, the stream and she stood up and she was just sobbing and she held up one slipper and I had just bought my son new water slippers and she was sobbing and holding up and I've lost this. Oh, we just, you know, we laugh and laugh at some of these things, although during it, it wasn't too funny, but looking back, you know, you persevere and you make the best of these things. You make a good point, Kathy. I think there's a famous saying that uh, comedy is just tragedy plus time. Oh, I think so. <laughs> That's a great saying. You know, some of the some of the funniest things I recall are at the expense of my kids, and that's a terrible thing. But honestly, some of the family trips we've done, uh, and they, you know what, they do, they seem to settle down. I, I find, you know, the the tempers seem to to flare a little bit at the beginning until they each find their corners, and then and then things do settle out. And to your point again, you know, what's the best thing to do when the kids do start to kerfuffle in the car? Pull the car over, say it's unsafe for us to drive if people are fighting and loud, so we'll, we'll need to stop the trip until things are calm again. And then I even recommend getting out of the car because they still know that you're watching and listening. They're still waiting for you to, to intercept or think badly of one of their siblings. So just step out of the car and um, you know, take a book with you or a magazine or start ch- chatting with your spouse. And, you know, you have to keep the kids safe and the windows down and all that good, you know, safety protective stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you just move yourself away as the audience to their bickering, they'll soon be, you know, yelling out the window, okay, okay, we've got it solved, we're ready to go again, because they don't want to stay in the car either. They They want to get on with the trip. So if you pull over two, three times in the first hour and a half, that could buy you the rest of your 10 hour trip in in peace. And that's so worth it. That's good tip. Very good tip. I didn't I never thought of that when I was doing it, it was just continual threat after threat. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. They're, they're grown up safe and sound. So whatever mistakes yeah. I made, perhaps they'll learn. Anyways, that's fine. Nobody <laughs> As, does it perfectly. I guess not. Not even the aim. Not I, even the aim. Yeah, when I talk to you, sometimes I wish I had a do-over, but that's okay. Some of the some of the some of the bad things I d- I did were we laugh about now. That, that's well, it's all I funny like, games. I, again, going to expressions. Our kids do well despite us, not because of us. <laughs> well, there you go. See, you're full of all these lovely, encouraging things. That's why I like to have you on the show and talking to people. Makes us all seem like we can make these mistakes, and and still life goes on nicely. Yeah, no muddle through. So the focus has been a lot on, you know, your younger kids, elementary school kids, but, you know, high school kids have summer holidays and and that special time when they're in grade seven or grade eight and you can't dictate or at least they don't want you to dictate what's going on in the summer. They have their own thoughts and that can be very challenging. So what... What can we do with children in that transitional time of their life? Yeah, and it's a concern with me, you know, and I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been working on a program called um, Hashtag Family Talk, and I have a whole YouTube series about it, too, because what we've identified with youth is um, in in an attempt to prevent underage drinking, when we um, ask kids, why did you drink? One of the number one answers is they'll say, we were bored. And so as summer comes in and summer boredom goes up, with the younger kids, it's a spark for creativity. With the older kids, that boredom gets filled with getting into mischief. And and drinking can become something that 
become, you know, there's no supervision, parents have alcohol cabinets. So it's a really important time that we talk to our kids about, um, A, our family values, that we don't believe in underage drinking, that it's against the law, and that we expect them to live by those values. But also to, to, to not to micromanage them, to your point, they don't want to be told what to do. But to say, hey, you know, we need to sit down and talk about how you're going to pass the day to day while I'm at work or while I'm not there. And it's fine to be able to say, hey, you know, uh, why don't you call up your friend Jimmy and see about going to the trampoline build, you know, these big trampoline tracks or, hey, you're home all day. Um, It it would be uh, nice if you could pitch in and do a chore around the house. Do you want to vacuum or load the dishwasher? Um, parents get so afraid to ask their kids to do things. Mm-hmm. But honestly, when you're bored, cleaning the fridge is suddenly better than twiddling your thumbs, you know? <laughs> and so I think to have to, to have them kind of map out their day it, themselves with you it's kind of um, like coaching them around making a plan. And, and it's almost like time management. It's not not about being controlling. It's about that adolescent brain is, is under construction and they have a hard time with the executive functioning of making a plan. And kids don't transition well. Like they just sit around and they, they haven't thought of they, they just need a little assistance, a little coaching to, to use their own brain to plan their own day around some of their own activities. But you need to, as a parent, provide a little structure to help them uh, do the planning. They'll do the execution, but we need to help them do the planning. So well, what's on for this week? What's on for today? Where are you going to be at what time? How long are you going to be there? What's your plan for that? Um, how are you going to get there? It's just a lot, a lot of asking curiosity questions so that they can kind of map it out. And then you have a chance to say, no, that's not okay, not that far, not with that person, whatever it might be. Okay, i got two different directions I want to go with this one. One is a helicopter parent, but the other is, what age are you talking here? You know, that, that special year between grade 8 and grade 9, I, I find, found challenging. They're a little bit too young to, to work for the most part. Yeah, and can, do you force them into doing camps and family? How do you how do you tackle that? Well, I don't think you can force anything. I mean, if you got a kid who's going to downright dig their heels and they just won't show up, or they'll just walk away, I, I think you can encourage by putting some interesting things, um, some interesting offerings that they may not have thought of. Um, you know, we can uh, um, find out what their friends are doing and see if there's something where they just want because it's all about being social. So it might be, well, this guy's going to this camp. Maybe you'd be interested in joining him. So, you know, we can kind of play on, on being social. But no, I, I, would, I can't force a kid who doesn't want to do something. Um, they might be excited about the idea of working, and that might just be, it could be scooping ice cream somewhere. But it could also be helping out at another friend's house. So maybe, hey, you know, I've got a friend at work who really needs to have um, all the dandelions removed off of her backyard. Um, You know, do you want to make 30 bucks or something? And so it may not be all full-time summer employment, but, you know, to do some dog walking, some window washing, some general stuff like that. Uh, Kids like to make money. They want to buy their fancy roots jackets and have all their little status symbols and (laughs) get the latest version of some computer game. Uh, so, so I think it's nice if you can help them think creatively outside the box of what are some things they might do, either whether that's camp and enrichment or whether that's being creative. I mean, maybe this is a time to get them set up on GarageBand so they can really start practicing their guitar and start having you know, band rehearsals and trying to find some other people to jam with. I, you know, so I just think parents need to to help them with the initiative, you know, um, help them kind of push in, in, in some directions left idly not all kids are going to spark up and come up with plans like that 
How do you determine what is the right age to let a child stay at home while you're working? Well, Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think it's less about age than it is about maturity. Uh, you know, I know some very immature fourteen-year-olds that are so distracted that they shouldn't really use a stove. You know, for for fear of burning the place down, um, or that don't uh, that would be conned by somebody at the front door. You know, and and don't can't be critical in their thinking about how to get out of the situation like that. So I, I wouldn't say it's about age so much as maturity and preparation. And so there are courses, uh, the Home Alone courses, um, there's checklists that you can download and just ask yourself, you know, does my kid know about X, Y, and Z? Do they know where the fire extinguisher is? Do they know how to use it? Do, you know, is there some other neighbor that's home that should something like a toilet starts overflowing and I work an hour and a half away from home and commute, could somebody run over there and hit the shutoff valve in a faster time than I could? And who, who is that person in my neighborhood? So I think there's lots of work for the parent to do and also for the child to feel like that feel they might be exhilarated by the responsibility, but I don't want to overwhelm them with it either. I want them to feel safe and secure to be to be home alone. And now that we've got FaceTime, it's great. You can say, you know what, FaceTime me when you're using the microwave or the stove so that I can just walk you through some things and make sure everything's going well at home. Um, and I think that's giving kids the ability to have a little bit more independence as well. Or say, don't use the stove. Here's your cold lunch. I, you know, it's, <laughs> you don't you don't need to cook while I'm away. Well, you know, the the big thing issue, big topic of parenting is the helicopter parents, and this could be a real issue for some some parents to let their kids have this time alone. How do you encourage parents? to let go, you know, not even just when their children are are at home alone, but, you know, if you are with your children 24-7 now during the summer and you're a helicopter parent, which I know is something that you do not encourage at all, how do you stop both parties from going insane with each other? (laughs) Well, you're you're right. And even, I tell you, one of the phenomena is now, I work with the Ontario Camping Association and they tell me that the parents are micromanaging their kids at camp from afar, that they have, you know, cameras at camp and they, and they open them on their desktop and they call the the camp office and say, my daughter's not wearing a sweater. She doesn't look happy wow. in that picture. And they're, so even at camp, they can't get away from their parents. It's ridiculous. Um, so I think part of it is to realize that there's some internal fear that sometimes when we're that invested in our kids or that fearful that we, we make them anxious we're sending a message of, of distrust that we don't trust them. We don't have faith in them to manage. And we're really elevating our own importance of how significant we are, in, you know, in, in their growth. And in a sense, it's really self-serving. In the end, it really becomes it's all about us, not about the child at all. In fact, what we're doing is not good to the child. So I think working with the parent to, to find out, you know, where is your fear? You know, what has happened in your childhood or, or what has made parenting so important to the to the exclusivity of other ways that you bring value to the world? Um, and, and so there sometimes is some psychological baggage that has to be unpacked for those parents that are just really, really super resistant. Um, and they may have had some childhood trauma or some adverse childhood experience and have said, like, I will never let anything happen to my child like what happens to me. And that protection just gets, you know, overdriven and causes more more harm than the way they're trying to help. I find this topic fascinating because there, you know, true to point, there may be something that has happened. But I just find that we hear so much. I'm glad that I didn't grow up in the social media age 
because I didn't hear all the horrible things that can happen. And you always tend to hear the negative things, you know, on TV, on radio. And I think that plays into the fears of parents, you know, uh, having a child. What, you know, what, what are the odds of a child being taken? But again, you're presented with that all the time. Allison, yesterday I was watching TV and my phone went off with, a, with an alert that someone had. Been, it scared the bejeebers out of me. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know how to shut it off, but it was an, an alert that a child had been taken. We are always inundated with negativity around things that can happen or we're inundated with bad things that can happen to our kids. So is there not room for no psychological issue as a child, but we're just scared now because of all we see. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting about that alert is that, you know, we didn't have the ability to have the whole community immediately mobilized into helping get a child that had been abducted. And so um, it's just one more data point to support the, the what we know from evidence that this is the safest time ever in the history of humankind to raise a child. And that's not just about aggression and violence and abductions. That's also um, illness, education. Like, it is a wonderful time to be a child. And, and to your point, we don't talk about it enough because when we get an alert on our phone like that, if you looked at what the – it was not some strange um, uh, sociopath, which is like the incident rate of that is, is rarer than – it's more dangerous to put your kid in a car and going on a trip or driving them to school than the worry of abduction. But most of these kids who go missing – it's um, and as was the case yesterday, it's usually a custody battle between parent and child, where one of the non-custodial parent is trying to, to get the child in order to have access, and um, so that's the majority of kids that that go missing, not these strange situations that are our worst fears. Um, and so our memory has um, the way humans have evolved is to avoid danger, so we have a predisposition to remember and dramatize negative information and negative news and because negative news sells we crank out more of it and we have 24 7 news streams now mm-hmm. so if you if you keep your phone on and you keep hanging out on pinterest and you keep hanging out on these social media sites you will be inundated with with stories of not good things that happen but you have a choice you can also turn to like there's good news channels too so i think we have to be an agent in either blocking out bad news or putting our attention towards the, the good, which is what a lot of what gratitude is about. Gratitude and happiness is paying attention to what's right and good and positive. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it scared the bejeebers out of me. I've never had that happen before. My phone was just sitting there. If I had had a cup of tea in my hand, it would have gone on my lap. <laughs> jump, it yeah. really scared me. It's a but, new system. Yeah, they just they're just testing it now. It's a new it's a new alert system. So oh um, okay, well that it's yeah. new to me. Maybe okay. Well, it worked. Sure got my attention. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I I think. That's a great way to, to finish off this dialogue about being with your kids in the summer. It's a very positive approach that you give, but it, it you know, until you made mention of that, I would not have said that this was such a positive and safe time to raise a child, but that's a great, a great thing to get out to people that it is such a wonderful time to raise and a child. Are, and we're enjoying our children. You know, everyone says, oh, failure to launch, failure to launch. Well, a lot of that phenomenon is that kids are not running away from their parents because their parents use the strap on them like they did in the old days. They actually enjoy their parents' company. Mm -hmm. They call them all the time because they actually want to hear their advice. We're we're doing so much better in parenting. So, you know, these really are good times if we just 
let's not forget to have fun. Let's not forget to celebrate what's good and what's working. And these incredible creatures who we only have, you know, with us for a short time, I have to say, like, mm-hmm. parenthood, feel like the day feels long, but childhood goes quick. It, yeah, so true. So true. Thank you, Allison, so much. Any new projects you're working on you want to get out? I know your hashtag is family talk and, and everybody uh, yeah. jump everybody jump on Twitter and Instagram. Allison's on both. AllisonSchaefer.com is your website. Any new shows coming up? Anything that we can focus in on with you? Well, I've, I, on my website, I'm promoting a conference that's coming to Toronto. It's the North American Association of Adlerian Psychology. They almost never come to Canada, and when they do, it's usually Vancouver. And they have, a, a of the three-day conference, they have isolated just the Saturday track for parents, and there's about five or six presentations. The keynote speaker is Margaret Trudeau, and the cost is about $100. So it's a fantastic um, opportunity for local Toronto parents who'd like to come see some at some of my mentors and some of the excellent colleagues that... Um, are putting on just parenting offerings. There's stuff on other days as well, but but, but that one day, it's all the registration information is on my website. Awesome. I will put that up on Facebook. Allison, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always wonderful to talk to you. Always so positive. And, and give us parents who second guess what we do, you know, a really good lift. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, Anytime. everybody. Anytime. Okay, we're going to have you back for sure. It's so much fun. Allison Schaefer's website is allisonschaefer.com. Can't be much easier. I'm going to put that back up on Facebook and try and highlight the conference that she's talking about. Everybody, thank you for joining us this week, and we will be back again next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.